The first house Emily and I ever bought was an older split-level home in Wilmer. It was a good first home, a starter home, but it wasn't new, so there were some things that we wanted to do to make it our own. So just out of curiosity, are you a project person? Do you love making updates and improvements to your house? Are you especially good at it? Yeah, if you are, I don't know if I like you or if we can be friends. I mean, I don't know. I would not call myself the home project guy, even though I do a fair amount of that. I don't particularly like it. It's not fun. I can think of more enjoyable things to do with my time. So a big part of my issue is that I have this need that once I start something, I have to finish it quickly. I can't let a project go beyond the time frame that I have allowed for it in my head. And home projects always, and I do mean always, take longer than I think they should. Because here's the thing, you don't know what you're getting into until you take something apart or open it up. Like, um, when I was supposed to take out the chain link fence so that we could put up a nicer, newer privacy fence. It was not supposed to be that hard until I started digging and realized that whichever owner before me wanted to ensure that this chain link fence could withstand a nuclear blast by anchoring each fence post with multiple bags of cement. It took forever to dig those out or the time I was doing a minor basement bathroom repair and after taking off a removable ceiling tile, found an old unsealed water heater vent going out through the roof with a five gallon ice cream bucket underneath to catch rainwater that would blow in. So since when does changing a ceiling tile in the bathroom, a two minute project, end up a three hour ordeal where I am positioning myself precariously on the roof trying to seal up a hole that should have been taken care of years ago. Also, you should know that house in all of its, or throughout all of its years was three different colors. It was brown when we bought it, but underneath the brown was blue, and underneath the blue was yellow. And if the paint peeled or was scraped off, you could see these other colors coming through. Yeah, so in that case, we paid a contractor to put on new siding. We were not even going to mess, try, uh, mess around with trying to maintain that. We lived there for almost seven years. And in that time, let me tell you what I learned from that stupid house. It was those things that you found by peeling back the layers that actually made the house interesting, that gave it character. And while those things were irritating to deal with on the one hand, they were fascinating on the other because there, because there are stories in those layers. As I was working on these projects, my mind began to wander and I began to ask questions. When the house was blue, who was living here? What was the community like? What was going on? Why would you paint it blue? And what was that old chain link fence with its nuclear proof footings meant to hold in? Who remodeled the basement bathroom and left an open vent? It was discovering the different layers that made our first house really interesting. The same is true of people. 
It's the layers within people that make them interesting. When you got up today, how did you decide what to wear? Did you dress for school, for work, for something else? Whether you're conscious of it or not, your outer appearance projects a story that you are trying to convey. What do you want the outside world to see based on what you have on right now? That you're okay, that you fit in, that you're rebelling, that you are casual, that you are trendy, have money, that you're a non-conformist, that you're fun, professional, serious, that you're all put together. Here's what I know. You are more than your parents. You are more than what is on the outside. There is always more to you than you let on to others. You are an infinite complexity of layers. Your thoughts, experiences, relationships, genes, cultural influences, capacity for good and evil, your thoughts, all of these and more add layers to you. And it's the layers that make you interesting. But part of what it means to be human is that we often fail to see or choose not to see these layers, this complexity in each other. And instead, we opt for labels, generalizations, and stereotypes. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Gospel of Luke tells a story about not just a tax collector, but a chief tax collector named Zacchaeus, who was wealthy. That short description is all we need to know exactly who this person is. Please, please do not think that this guy is a civil servant like an IRS agent, doing his job making sure that people pay their fair share of taxes in order to fund the government and receive public goods like bridges, roads, social security, and food programs. No, 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 that is not it. A tax collector in Luke's storytelling is a local collaborator with the Roman occupying force. The taxes they collected did not benefit the Jewish community, but went to enrich those outside of Judea. These taxes were a tribute that the community was forced to pay to the emperor. But for people who collected these taxes, they could make this situation work to their benefit. By overcharging people what they owed and pocketing the difference, tax, tax collectors could and did become very rich. So who is the rich chief tax collector Zacchaeus? Everyone knows who he is. Zacchaeus is a traitor, a liar, and a cheat. 
He is every curse word that you can think of. He is an enemy, one who causes harm to others, and there is nothing, nothing that he can do to remove these labels from himself. And there is no reason for you to see him any differently. This is Zacchaeus plain and simple, clear as day. So one day, Jesus comes through town, and moving through the crowd, he sees Zacchaeus and insists that they must share a meal and hospitality together. And everyone who's watching, they, they can't believe this scene. They can't believe what they're witnessing. It's not like Jesus doesn't know who this, who this guy is. The way the man dresses and carries himself makes it obvious that, he, that he's a tax collector. And everyone knows what a tax collector is. <laughs> so what's Jesus doing? The story of Zacchaeus is part of a larger narrative that begins with my favorite line in the New Testament. And, that, and that's saying something. It comes from Luke chapter 17. This is verse 20. It says, Once Jesus was asked by a Pharisee when the kingdom of God was coming. And Jesus answered, The kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is. For in fact... The kingdom of God is among you. Then, after that, Luke tells numerous stories back to back to illustrate the nature of God's kingdom. So there's a story about a widow and an anonymous tax collector and little children, a rich young ruler, a blind man, and, and then it's the story of Zacchaeus. And each of these stories uses characters that have labels, generalizations, and stereotypes. And in each of these stories, the kingdom of God breaks in when the stereotypes are broken, when the readers are invited to look deeper into the layers of humanity and see what was not observable on the surface or obvious before. It's the layers that make things interesting. Jesus sees the layers in people. Jesus sees beyond the assumptions that Zacchaeus is a liar and a cheat and looks more deeply into the layers of his person. No one is pure evil. No one deserves to be stuck with a title or a label that brings about contempt, negativity, or exclusion. We are so much more than that. And the kingdom of God breaks through into our world unexpectedly when we see the complexity of layers in people without judgment and understand that God values the life of every living, breathing thing in creation. The story of Zacchaeus teaches a powerful lesson. Beyond the image you create and project to others around you, beyond the label that you're given by others, you are a complexity of layers valued by God. And so is the person sitting next to you, and so is the person who teaches at your school and drives the bus and cuts your hair, and so is the person who lets their dog poop in your yard, and so is the person whose vote cancels out your vote, and so is the person who cut you off and flipped you off in traffic, and so is your your mom and so is your friend who betrayed you and the stranger you wave hi to on the street. It's the layers that make life interesting and allow us to see the inbreaking of God's kingdom. So may you be unsettled by the stereotypes, labels, and generalizations you give yourself and others and begin to see the beautiful complexity of layers that you might sense the inbreaking of God's kingdom 
and be transformed by this good news. This is the good news that we hear today. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. As a way of helping you to take the story, our focus text, and the message on that text a little bit deeper and apply it more specifically to your life, we have a couple of reflection questions for you to consider. Question number one, what image or story are you trying to project to others? What do you want people to think when they look at you? And number two, how often do you assume, stereotype, or label others? What prevents you from seeing the layers in the people that you meet?